There's a pretty nice view from Mountain Bill. I said Kathleen MacArthur to her friend Judith Wright on a bright summer's day. And I don't know about you, but my greatest fears are that someone will take all this beauty away. So let's fight, oh let's fight for it. I say. The Social Butterfly, Part One, a lunch hour theatre script by Kathleen MacArthur. Kathleen MacArthur was born in 1915 into one of Brisbane's leading families. Her parents were Daniel Evans of Queensland Engineering Company Evans Deacon and Kathleen Durack, Kit of the Irish pastoralist family. Kathleen had an early life of considerable privilege. This is a rare story of my adolescence in Brisbane in the 1930s, which, if worth remembering, might be worth telling. While stories recounting the escapades of young males abound, who would have thought an emerging social butterfly had tales of Brisbane tucked into her pinny? So, here we go. I opted out of school a year early. Dad decided that with two daughters already in the workforce, it was time mother had a daughter at home for company. So, as daughter number three, I left school to play that role. I was promptly sent off to the polytechnic to learn to cook and other basic practical skills necessary for a young lady in the 1930s. Thankfully, at the same time, much more interestingly, I also learnt to drive. With my newfound skills, I was quickly elevated to be the family chauffeur. Our car was a pre-silver anniversary Buick, the last of the sedans that had evolved from the hearse. It took three lessons, partly because her mother insisted on the third. Despite Kathleen being confident she could drive after only two. Even so, her mother always said a prayer whenever she drove out... Driving in Brisbane was a far cry from her mother's early driving adventures, traversing the Kimberley in a four in hand. They lived at their house, Cardington, near the top of Cavendish Road. Behind was open forest all the way to White's Hill and a 360-degree view of South Brisbane. (sighs) The disadvantage of living where we lived, particularly during my adolescence, was that our place was five miles from the city when very few young men owned a car. So having a driver's licence was a distinct advantage. Also, when Dad needed to take a dawn flight to Mount Isa from the Archerfield Airport, I was there to bring the Buick back. As driver, I was more than willing to take family members anywhere, anytime. As for her cooking lessons at the Polytechnic, Kathleen's cooking was truly an act of love, if not appealing. My sister Barb said of my cooking, my biscuits tasted well enough once one got past the look of them. And she was right. Refinement was not one of my graces. Armed with a basic recipe from the Polytechnic and using the best ingredients, I attempted a fruitcake. 
As any ordinary cook knows, fruitcake needs to be baked at a low heat, long and slow, for a number of hours. However, when the woman of the house, who herself had never actually baked a fruitcake, entered the kitchen and saw the oven light on, she simply presumed that Kathleen had left the gas on again and promptly turned it off. As to be expected, the cake went kaplunk and sunk right in the middle. A simple flick of the switch was enough to hand me the satirical title as Cooperoo's Most Highly Accredited Fruitcake Baker. <sighs> Why do people show so little faith in me? Kathleen found the main disadvantage of stretching her wings as a social butterfly was the plethora of bridge afternoons and garden parties. I remember being younger and arriving home from school to find the house filled with ladies propped up at little tables. They sat sorting stiff, shining, gold-edged cards. I was expected to present my cheek for pecking from the assortment of ladies, one by one, which, might I say, revolted me. Now my school days were over and I was becoming womanly, I was expected to join in. So, tricked by their politeness, there I sat, feeling like I had been given an endless life sentence, playing polite rounds of cards. Inevitably, the more socially popular Kathleen was becoming, the more unpopular she was at home. Dances didn't finish until midnight, and to get home it was necessary to drive to the other end of town. I was to be home by midnight. That was Dad's order. As much as I tried to obey, the complaints from home continued, which made me rebellious. I made the decision to stay to the end of every party and then go into Barnes Auto We Never Sleep with anyone else who was going for pies and coffee. You know the saying, the only crime is in being caught, and I was too smart for that. Sneaking back, I'd climb the battening below the veranda, slip over the rail and slip into bed without a sound. Home had become an unfriendly place and Kathleen was keen to find a range of diversions out of the house. I first tried tennis coaching. Then elocution leading to a drama group and eventually a verse-speaking choir. The choir would perform a dreary programme of light, somewhat humorous entertainment. The programme would feature poems like this one from English humorist A.P. Herbert. Venovi by A.P. Herbert. Sir or madam, are you well? Yes, we know it's hard to tell. Like as not, you fondly think, madam, you are in the pink. But conceal it how we please. Most of us have some disease. Frankly, sir, the chances are you have cancer or catarrh. 
Madam, in our humble view, there is something wrong with you. Never mind, we'd like to bet. Venovi will save you yet. For nervousness, lassitude, debility, anemia, quincy sciatica, discomfort when you dine, rheumatism, dandruff, acute septicemia, the measles, the mumps, the dropsy and the dumps, melancholy flatulence, a tendency to pine. Take a little Venovi, take a little Venovi, and take it in a glass of wine. Not with shudders, not with squeals, not with water after meals. Take it gaily while you dine. Wash it down with draughts of wine. Otherwise it will not act. That is odd, but that's a fact. Take a tablet in some port. Your disease will be short. Take a couple in champagne. You will not be ill again. Venovi, we need not say, must be taken thrice a day. For nervousness, lassitude, debility, anemia, quincy, sciatica, insomnia and strain, rheumatism, baldness, acute septicemia, for tetanus and thrush, gorility and gush, melancholy flatulence and water on the brain, take a little Venovi, take a little Venovi, and take it in the best champagne. When it came to my career in drama, it began and ended in one night with a short play of two characters in a crowded Cremorne theatre. The stress was too great. In a flippant way, Kathleen had enjoyed being a social butterfly for a while, but as her drama career ended, the time for a real change was needed. My sister Barbara belonged to a book-lending club, which appeared an interesting way of making a living. So, following the lead, I decided to open my own book club. It started out in a small room in the National Bank Chambers next door to Finney Isles in Queen Street. It was a good central location and attracted a mob of curious people, and some even borrowed books. Old friends dropped in for a yarn, the curious came to investigate... And one lonely girl with no means of entertaining herself just loved to sit in for me when I needed a break. While the Kathleen Evans Book Club was a convenient meeting place for friends, it was far from a financial success. So the time came for her to look for a job. Being a social butterfly, I had no training for anything in particular. So it proved hard to find a job. In a desperate attempt, I answered a burly underwear advertisement. When the tape measure was pulled tight around me, the summing up did not fit the firm's stocks. Of course, Mother could have predicted it. I recall as a small child Mother placing a hand on my head and telling anyone who'd listen, This is Kathleen, who's going to grow up short and fat, just like Grandma Evans to which everyone roared with laughter. (laughs) Of course, it was all meant in fun, which I knew and laughed along with them. But sometimes I found myself looking searchingly into the mirror, still feeling like the ugly duckling. Kathleen has to make decisions on where her life is heading. The search for a job became a priority, 
And of course, with Kathleen, she was always able to make time for some fun and adventure. She took herself off to Government House for the Show Week Garden Party. When I arrived, as expected, most of the guests were dad and mother's generation, with only a couple of promising young naval officers. So, what a nice surprise when they introduced themselves to me. Me, the girl who had come on her own. Me and my three companions headed into the marquee tent for strawberries and cream. After a lovely afternoon, they asked if they would see me again at the club ball the following week. Sadly, with Dad and Mother away, there'd be no chance I would get there. But they seemed confident, so I called the president of the club and was given a firm... No. Nominations have closed and no concessions will be made. The phone rang. It was one of the lads. Get dressed and jump into a taxi and meet me at the back door of the town hall. With the speed of a swooping falcon, I was bathed, dressed and on my way. Sure enough, he was there to meet me and guide me through the labyrinth of passages leading to the ballroom. It was such a simple plan, but the excitement was so overpowering. I didn't dare drink, but I danced all night, floating six inches above the floor. podcast series was produced by the Sunshine Coast Council Heritage Library with the support of a strategic priority grant from the State Library of Queensland. This series was produced in 2022 and may not be reproduced for any commercial or non-commercial interest.